When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, a podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we hit the California coastline in Point Break. And today, we're staying in the Sunshine State, but the ocean is in our rearview mirror as we put the pedal to the metal and learn that there is another use for nitrous oxide. Who knew? From 2001, it's the movie that launched a mega franchise. We're talking The Fast and the Furious. One race, 2G buy it, winner takes all. I don't have any cash, but I do have the pink slip to my car. You brave, you brave. You're in. On the street, where reputations are made. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. In a world beyond the law. Get when loyalty is all that matters. You don't know this punk, Dom. Watch your back. You break your heart, I'll break your neck. Would you be willing to risk everything? We will have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I smell... Skanks. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm really annoyed because I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a superpower. So very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that, we would massively appreciate it. And also, if you could rate and review us, that would be amazing as well. And if you do review us, you might have your review read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Well, first, Alex, I want to congratulate longtime listeners Reese and Gemma Page on their new arrival, Cora. I think that's the first Clash Pod baby. Oh, that's the flow. So good job, Pages. Uh, and also, yes, we have a review from longtime listener, first time caller 10, who says, better than expected. <laughs> Excellent start. He says, uh, my wife had been trying to get me to listen to this for a wee while, saying it would be right up my alley. However, when finding out that Alex Zane was involved, I got flashbacks to being outraged on behalf of mid-noughties girl bands being interviewed by the rudest little boy on television. 
However, upon seeing a photo of Alex Zane, I realised I was thinking of Simon Amstel. <laughs> it turns out Alex Zane is someone with whom I seem to agree on pretty much everything. And Alex Zane's colleagues are also not Simon Amstel. <laughs> <laughs> five stars. <laughs> Yay! That is a five star review. Thank you very much. What a great review. All right, let's get into this. Part two of Point Break versus The Fast and the Furious. These were Chris's choices. On Monday, Victoria dipped her toe in the ocean with Point Break. And today, I'm behind the wheel for The Fast and the Furious. Let me take you on a journey. Brian O'Connor is obviously an undercover cop. But street racing criminal Dominic Toretto, due to the nitrous in his blood and the gas tank for a brain, fails to spot this. Even when they find Brian sneaking around a garage and Dom's mate Vince goes, he's obviously a cop, <laughs> Dominic still fails to take the hint. Turns out it's a family trait, though, as when Brian eventually says to Dom's sister Mia outright, I am a cop, her response is, what are you talking about? <laughs> Brian is also a rubbish cop, and after fingering the wrong people for some heist and gunning down a potential suspect, he only finds out Dom is the criminal mastermind when his boss literally says, it's Dom, it's always been Dom. <laughs> At which point... Brian lets Dom go, because love is blind. And he probably just likes letting people go. Like I said, rubbish cop. Time to quit the force and pick up that pension. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, The Fast and the Furious. What are your histories with this movie, Victoria? I don't know. That's the stupid thing. I've seen it. I don't know when it was. It was just on. There we are. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's just one Don't of those films, on it. isn't it? Yeah, I, but I definitely haven't seen. I haven't um, been loyal to the franchise, so I saw this and was like, "That's enough for me." <laughs> well, that's a shame. It's one of those franchises, a bit like Police Academy, where they get better okay. as it goes on, mm. and then worse I was again. Say a lot worse. <laughs> uh, I I had no interest in this because I wasn't interested in Paul Walker or Vin Diesel, although I did like Pitch Black. Um, and I do not have any interest in cars whatsoever, which is quite important uh, for your enjoyment of this film. So the first time I watched it was Fast Five was the first <sighs> film in the franchise that I watched because I was going to be interviewing the cast. Mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting working at a website that covered Fast and Furious as each year we had to cover it a bit more because they were getting a bit bigger each time. And so I loved Fast Five, mm -hmm. I covered Fast Six, Fast Seven. I decided I'd go back and watch the first one around that time to do my homework and... Yeah, it's remarkable how different they are. Where did you interview the cast for Fast Five? I think that was London. Right. Yeah. I, I interviewed the cast for Fast Five as well in uh, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro, Copacabana Beach. Copacabana Beach. Copacabana Beach, yeah. It was amazing. They put us in this hotel overlooking the beach and then they lined all the cast up with the ocean in the background on this veranda of this hotel by the pool. It was a lovely work trip. <laughs> I nearly got kicked out of the Fast and Furious <clears throat> 6 premiere party for sitting in Tyrese's private booth. <laughs> uh, I, left the, I left the film early. I'd seen it before. I knew what was going to happen. Left early, went to the party. First people there at the party. Uh, sat in Tyrese's booth and the security came over and said, who are you? And I said, I'm with Tyrese. And they said, fine. Not a good plan because Tyrese was on his way. <laughs> but actually, he was very nice. He pretended he was angry, but then he let us stay and drink his drink. So it's nice. Nice man, Tyrese. There was no party uh, in Rio. Um, 
we did find a bar on the last night uh, on the right on the beachfront. It was the only one for miles, but we we went in there. Uh, my producer uh, said to me, "This is a really weird bar. I just like been hit on by four women, which never happens to me." And then we had a look around. And we watched men disappearing into a back room, uh-huh. holding hands with some of these girls, and we realised we were in a brothel. <laughs> yeah, but it was the only place that was open. <laughs> <laughs> we we left <laughs> later. <laughs> That's so funny. Four women never hit it. Three, yes, but four <laughs> is too much. Honestly. Uh, so I watched this movie. I think did I watch it with you? Maybe at uni. Maybe. I, yeah. I honestly can't remember. It was the time two thousand one, two thousand two. We were at uni. Yeah, I don't remember being that madly impressed. Uh, I vaguely remember the drag race at the end. Uh, but now, because the franchise has spawned so many movies that I do love, I was quite excited to revisit this for the second time only. Uh, I do have a lot of stories about Too Fast, Too Furious. That was my first trip to LA, but we're not covering that, so we'll save that for when we do that movie. Would you like to know a bit about the history of this film? The idea came to director Rob Cohen after he read a 1998 article in Vibe magazine about the illegal street racing scene that had started in LA and was now growing in New York. Rob Cohen, by this point, had had some commercial, if not critical, success with Daylight and The Skulls. He would go on to make Triple X, Stealth, The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Alex Cross and Hurricane Heist. But all is forgiven because he also made Dragonheart, which I love. Do you? Well, I saw it as a kid. I haven't watched it since. Is it not, okay. Does it not stand up? No, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know anyone liked it. So, <laughs> Sean Connery voices a dragon. Yeah. What's not to like? Okay, all right. And I like Dennis Quaid. Anyway, uh, Cohen doesn't just stumble across this article uh, from Vibe, though, as is often reported. He was contacted by the writer Kenneth Lee, who had actually taken his article and turned it into a script. Cohen says about this, the article was really good, but the script for the film was crap. (laughs) I said I was willing to do a movie on the scene, but if I did, that script would have to be thrown out. It was about some dude doing street races to pay for his education. Yawn. (laughs) Well, that makes more sense, though, because I always wondered why he needed to buy this article to tell this story, because mm. this article is just one very specific element talking about these these street racings that were happening in New York, not even in L.A. Yeah. And so that makes more sense that, that Lee went to him, that he would need to purchase it then, because really, I don't think you need to purchase this article to make this movie because they aren't really connected. Yeah, I mean, he does a bit of investigating Rob Cohen, finds out that the street racing scene is this cool underground scene that is yet to be put on film. Uh, but he says it wasn't an easy thing to get off the ground. The suits and Hollywood as an entity had no faith at all that this would be a success and no faith in me. The suits, he loves that term, all thought this would become at best another spring break teen movie. But eventually Universal bites and they buy the rights to the article from Ken Lee. Uh, according to Cohen, hundreds of writers had a shot at coming up with a story based on the article and none were any good until step forward screenwriter Gary Scott Thompson. And he comes up with a very simple pitch, which Universal love. Romeo and Juliet with cars. Mm-hmm. Brian and Mia were your modern day Montague and Capula in rival gangs who meet at a street racing festival. Universal love it. He works up a draft. All the characters at this point are anti-hero teens. There's no undercover cop story whatsoever. They're getting into gunfights with each other. Then Columbine happens and the project is pretty much shelved. Universal go, we just cannot make this at the moment. Undeterred, Thompson reworks the script, uh, which now has older street racers and an undercover cop. Let's call this the inspired by Point Break version. 
four hours after Universal receive it, they're like, we're in. Because they've also seen Point Break. <laughs> well, can I, can I, you've done your synopsis. Do you mind if I do an alternative synopsis? Go for it. Brian O'Connor is a wild-eyed cop with an eye for cars and a heart for police work. But when he goes undercover at a garage that doubles as a chop shop, the seductive world of its target, Dominic Toretto, may be his undoing. The joy rides, parties and Toretto's sexy sister help sway Brian into believing that his new fast friend has the kind of life he wants, even though Toretto may be guilty of much more than theft and O'Connor might be in much deeper than he thinks. Now, that is the blurb on the back of the DVD for No Man's Land, a Charlie Sheen movie from 1987. I've just changed no. the character name. I've just changed the character names. Wow. So you're saying it's a remake of Point Break, but I've realised it's a remake of this film I watched in 1988. It's pretty crap, really. It's D.B. Sweeney plays the undercover cop and, and Charlie Sheen's the cool sort of criminal. And the story beats are very similar all the way through. I think this blurb might have been written after Fast and Furious came out yeah. to sort of cash in because also uh, the tagline is now Fast, Furious and Deadly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think there were two mothers uh, of this of this storyline. I mean, in relation to the Point Break comparisons, copying, Rob Cohen does say on the DVD commentary uh, that Point Break inspired the Fast and the Furious which is a bit like saying I was only looking at someone else's exam paper for inspiration. <laughs> uh, and, and Thompson, uh, the writer, does say, we sort of do what they do in Point Break, which is a bit like saying I was sort of copying someone else's <laughs> exam paper. Uh, in the final draft, Thompson uh, apparently has now moved away uh, from the source article so much that they dropped crediting the article at all in the movie. The oh, film doesn't credit the article. Uh, Thompson says about that, uh, there was no love story. There was no cop aspect to it. From what I remember, it was just about a group of racers who raced late at night. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you don't have to credit someone in Hollywood, just don't. <laughs> so Thompson would go on to write Too Fast, Too <clears throat> Furious. He is now a consultant on the series. Screenwriter Chris Morgan is the writer of all the latest ones who I've met and is a lovely man. Uh, Thompson is still credited as characters created by. I mention that because he hasn't written anything for a while. And that's because no doubt he's still making some serious cheddar cheese. Um, this is niche. It excited me when I found out and makes me like Thompson. And anyone who's seen this movie will agree. Thompson wrote a Rutger Hauer movie that I love called Split Second. Mm. Okay. Have either of you seen it? No. It's set in a future London. It's flooded and it's fascinating because they started shooting it. It's about him hunting a serial killer. And then halfway through, they decided that they didn't like the serial killer thing. Halfway through shooting, so they turned it into a giant mutant rat monster, <laughs> uh, which means the first half of the movie has absolutely no relevance on the second oh, half wow. of the film. Great. We're doing it on the show. Okay. <laughs> um, casting, only very little on the casting. Mm. Uh, the studio really wanted Timothy Oliphant for the Dominic Toretto role. Oh. Would have been great. Yeah, you know, I love, you know, I love Timothy Oliphant from uh, me forcing you to watch Go a million times. Oh, you're going to stop the sentence a million times. Yeah. yeah, not once. Do you remember when I loved his character so much uh, that I fell in love with the fact when he answers the phone in Go, he goes, speak. <laughs> and I started doing that at uni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to lose friends. <laughs> anyway, Oliphant said no. And uh, I I can't see him as Toretto because Vin Diesel is now so that role. Uh, he had just had a minor hit with Pitch Black Vin Diesel, but he still had to be convinced to do it and only agreed after script changes. Producer Neil Moritz says of his meeting with Vin Diesel, 
I went to meet him at a restaurant and he wasn't a star yet. But the great thing about Vin is he always believed he was a star. <laughs> <laughs> He was. I think what convinced him, wasn't it, that Moritz told him about a shot he was going to do where the camera would go up through the windshield of the car into the eye and then down through the arm and then in, back into the car and into the engine. Mm. And, and Diesel said, I didn't really like the script, but that sold me. Yeah, I've got a bit about that when we come to it because Rob Cohen goes on and on uh, about that bit and is a little bit angry with the studio again. Uh, it had the working title Redline, but they changed it after Roger Corman agreed to license Universal the name of his 1955 movie, The Fast and the Furious, in exchange. And this is so Roger Corman, he was paid in stock footage. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the man loved his stock footage. Universal went, take what you want. Uh, that's about it. Um there's obviously a legacy <clears throat> to this movie, which we'll talk about in a new section uh, of the pod that I'm calling the legacy of this movie. Uh, before we start, I've got one thing to say. Mm. You can have any brew you want as long as it's Corona. <gasps> oh, my God. If you... No! Oh, my God! <laughs> That's me bringing out the Coronas. You can't oh. come on with family. And family can't talk about <laughs> Fast and Furious without a Corona in their hand. <laughs> oh, you sipped first, so you can say grace, Chris. <laughs> Family. Cheers. Family. Cheers. Cheers. Eyes. Yes, eyes. Eyes, eyes, eyes. Oh, lovely. Well. God, I can relax now. Well, because you've got a beer in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so we start with a heist, a truck full of DVD players and those TVs that they used to make with built-in VCRs are nicked. <laughs> do you see that in the front of the truck? I'm like, oh, I had one in my room. Of course you fucking did. Yeah. <laughs> with one video in it. Go. Uh, <laughs> So I did some maths about this. So they steal DVD players and those TVs that they used to make with built-in VCRs. Mm -hmm. They've stolen $6 million worth of goods yeah. uh, in the movie, it's announced. Uh, a DVD player in 2001 cost about $470. They've stolen 13,000 <laughs> DVD players. It's it's weird when you think about where are they putting them as well? They pull this truck over. They put them in the 13,000 DVD players in the boots of their Nissans. <laughs> <laughs> They've not got a truck with them or anything. In the Honda Civics. Uh, oh, they are Honda Civics. God, you're good. You know your cars. Chris wouldn't have picked up on that. So we get one of the best stunts in the movie at this point where the car goes under the truck. It's very cool. It's very good. It's brilliant. Amazing. It's such a cool stunt. Uh, the stunts that are done in camera in the film are way better than the CGI. Uh, so time to see the film tipping its hat to point break by having Brian order in the tuna sandwich, just like Johnny does. We covered it on Monday. Mm -hmm. Johnny has his own wheat. Brian, like a baby, goes, white with no crusts, please. <laughs> it just it makes him very, very young. Uh, but he clearly likes Mia. Uh, she must have a hell of a time getting customers and doing front of house where her shaven-headed brother looms about in the background, <laughs> peering through the glass occasionally. No wonder it's fucking empty. Who's he? I, but I also think he likes Mia, but he also, the way he looks at Dom, there's something loving in that, in sure. the glances between them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we meet the gang. At this point, uh, the gang are dickhead, dead meat, kick-ass girl and wasn't in any of the sequels. <laughs> uh, dickhead, or Vince, does not like Brian. And we know this through him using an outdated and jarring slur. Sure. Not that makes him. That does make him a dickhead. But equally, I mean, I'm on Vince's side for most of this film, apart from that slur. Because he's right. Yes. Vince is right for the whole movie. Yeah, and he's the villain for being right but in these scenes he's like this guy's been hanging and I missed a lot of the dialogue it's like do you not like Brian because he comes to your sandwich shop that's it I think it's because he likes Mia because later on 
she offers to go to the restaurant yeah. and then pulls the yeah uh, that's a good scene carpet out from a, and also he thinks he's an undercover cop he does yeah <laughs> that is the main thing Vince will not shut up about him being a cop uh, <laughs> he's the an, idiot he's a cop <laughs> Uh, we have Dead Meat, a.k.a. Jesse, who describes Brian as beautiful and wasn't in any of the sequels, a.k.a. Leon, likes his hair, which is quite a nice moment. Jesse. Jesse. He's the engineer. Yeah. He's the, the one who, when the, the minute Brian goes, you should be going to MIT, you go, well, he's going to die. Yeah. Was Giovanni Ribisi busy? Because the guy is doing Giovanni Ribisi, isn't he? Yeah. They're basically identical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, did they just try and hire? Because they wanted Timothy Oliphant. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. Giovanni Ribisi, can you do him? He was in Gone in 60 Seconds. It was literally being made while they were making this. Mm. We have Dom and Brian's first meeting. And you mentioned the way Brian looks at him. Apparently Vin Diesel and Paul Walker really hit it off uh, filming this movie. They got on really well. Instant camaraderie. And indeed, when... The series starts to get back on track around four and indeed fast five. It's their relationship that really is the beating heart <clears throat> of this movie. Um, until, of course... Uh, so Dwayne Johnson helps. His, well, yeah, in fast five. His, his, involvement, his involvement makes a difference. Yeah. He's so good in that movie. Mm. Massive as well. He's really big. So big. But his entrance <laughs> is one of the all-time great entrances when he gets off that plane or helicopter. I can't, can't remember. We can't talk about that. Uh, so... We are coming up to the first street race uh, because at this point the series was about street racing, not supervillains, submarines <laughs> and skyscrapers. Uh, one of the interesting <clears throat> things about the Vibe article, and I know you're not into cars, Chris, mm. um, but I, I remember when I first watched this, I was so surprised that the cars are like Nissans and a Volkswagen and Mitsubishis and Hondas and not Porsches and Ferraris. I and didn't even notice that. I really didn't. I feel so stupid. I'm, they were just cars. Yeah, no, but it's this is the thing. This is because it comes from the article. Because street racers buy these cars for about twenty thousand dollars, then spend about ten to twenty thousand like souping them up. Yeah, and it's about being that arrogant that you'd pull up, as you yeah. see in the movie, next to some rich guy using yeah. his Ferrari and then beat him off the line. This is a line from the article. To do it with a puny four-cylinder rice burner that your mum would drive hmm. is downright arrogant. Yes. Rice burner. That's <laughs> he's, he's a really well-written article, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't... Who? I mean, I know a little bit about cars. Maybe I know more than you two about cars. No, I would imagine. Okay. So, uh, I said this to you before. Like, the car show... It's not car, I've written car show. It's not car show. When they are lining up, whatever. So, the dialogue really threw me because it's kind of the wrong way around in terms of very small details about... It's, it works. Sorry, saying it's the wrong way around is a bit judgmental. It does work. But details about cars that only, like petrol heads would know and then the overarching emotional points right so at this point at the car show <laughs> someone says that's a standalone fuel management system and it's like what the fuck is that no one knows what is that a petrol tank like they've all got them but then later on a lot of speeches about I live my life a quarter mile at a time it's like oh I get it like you drawing people in with like the what does racing mean what do cars mean and all of that but they go in hard with the technical stuff first so if you don't know what you're talking about, are you lost at that point? Do you tune out? I, I tune I tune out. It doesn't matter because there's there's lots of flashy stuff happening on screen yeah, at the true. same time. But I think it's that... It, if you go with what the studio thought, which is that it was going to be a, quite a small teen movie, perhaps they're going, we need to prove to the audience who are going to be street racers that we're not fucking around here, yeah. that we've done our research, that this is going to be authentic and in inverted commas. And that's why they sort of top load it with like, sit, see, we know our stuff. We, mm. did, we, we Googled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you. 
how was it listening to this for you? Because I swear to God, in the first 20 minutes of this film, I must have adjusted the volume <laughs> on my TV. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said times. that. My neighbours. She's a bit of a cunt, to be fair. But <laughs> oh, no way. Come on, Vicky. We've got, we've got Apology, apology. She banged on the floor, so she's above me. And I'm watching, and there, so lots of emotions. I was like, A, you've got my number. If my telly's too loud, just text me. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Whatever. But second, I was like, shit, I've been rumbled watching the first interview. Oh, you can't get in trouble for that. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, so it's too loud. Yeah, I was constantly adjusting the volume. Do you... Did you expect the police at the door going, oh, we've had a report, you're watching The Fast and the Furious? I just thought me and her are going to have yet another row and then she's going to say, what are you watching? I'm going to have to go to The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> the sound mix is all yeah, over the I place. I did nearly put on the subtitle, especially when I was trying to figure out what Ja Rule was, was racing for because I thought I knew what he was going to get if he won, oh. but it was still unclear to me because the engine was revving when he's shouting menage menage yeah it's it's terrible the the music is very loud and the talking is very quiet yeah but uh the music is also a lot of new metal and hard rock bands that you've never heard of apart from where they've clearly because it was on a 38 million dollar budget they've spent a bit of cash to use the chorus of limp biscuits rolling yeah alternative <laughs> metal post grunge and new metal is mm. is the three uh kinds of music in this film it's n- none of that's mine. You don't none of that's for me. Yeah. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. That's much uh, yeah. more. That's much more mid nineties Alex Zane than me. Uh, I felt like I was home. I really did. I felt like I was home. I, I did get to introduce Limp Biscuit, who I was a massive fan of, on stage once at Finsbury Park. They played a gig at Finsbury Park, and I'd introduced all the bands on stage. A were performing as well. Remember, I brought the A single back and made you listen to Starbucks over and over again in the oh flat. Oh my God, yeah. What about you done in Starbucks? Oh my God. Jesus. Yep. Worst tasting music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, I, I go into the dressing room. The guy running the festival goes, uh, do you want to meet uh, the band, find out if they've got uh, any introduction that you want? they want you to do? So I walk in and Fred Durst is there. I'm like, hi, I'm introducing um, all the bands on stage. Is there anything you want me to say? And he goes... No one introduces the biscuit. <laughs> and do I went, it your fucking self. <laughs> I've struggled to enjoy their music since. So what did you do? I didn't introduce them. They just walked on stage right. themselves. So you, there's no one introduces the biscuit. Good. So the first race. Uh, first of all, we learn that Kickass Girl, aka Letty, aka Michelle Rodriguez, has a special power where she can smell skanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thankfully, the skanks in question are the kind of skanks that don't put up an argument when yeah. they're called skanks. They've been rumbled. It's, it's, it's fortunate. It's like, oh, she's got us. Yeah, we, we are. are. <laughs> um, I, I had to look up what skank actually meant. Really? Yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't quite clear. What do you think it means? Oh, that's, well, it's not in line with the sisterhood for me to delineate to you what right. I believe it means. Okay. But like someone who's a bit dirty filthy and a bit bird. sort of... Filth, a filthy bird. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but like also like you would say if someone was a bit unclean and... Diseases. They, yeah, skanky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she said she wasn't going to do it and then she went for it. But it's a very naughty thing to say, yeah. like you wouldn't, yeah. you know. Uh, you've got you've hit all the uh, you've, you've hit all the buzzwords from uh, the definition I looked up online. Uh, so the street racing uh, party. Uh, this is exactly what they did, which I find astonishing. You read the article; they actually did this in New York and mm. presumably in LA beforehand, where cars would just pull across lanes of traffic to create 
a mile of mm. empty it's road. It's madness to me. They I... do it. They do it at, at, at like three in the morning, four in the morning, so there wouldn't be traffic. I'm around. so glad you said it's real because I wasn't sure. I, I did really think in a sort of snide way they'd just gone up its point break, but with cars. Because mm. I was like, where is there a street long enough that you can nip I, down it? And I think the multiculturalism is the thing that they really hit on as well. And the article talks about the fact that it was Puerto Rican, Dominican, Chinese, Filipino, Jamaican, Italian, and other ethnicities all coming together, which is something Fast and Furious certainly. Um, captures but as these films go on as well I think that representation and that diversity in the cast is part of the reason it's so successful Agreed Agreed. Uh, the pizza guy who can't get past uh, the blockage on the road going, Goddamn street racers! Uh, director Rob Cohen. Oh, is it? That's him in a little cameo there. And he said after they screened the movie, uh, people came out going, uh, Can we have your, di- your autograph? And it wasn't because he directed it, it's because he played the pizza guy. People love pizza. Uh, there's the odd moment that you just mentioned, Chris. Shall we talk about this? Ja Rule is one of the racers, and he is offered uh, a woman's breast, uh, just one mind, who says, this is yours if you win or lose. If you win, you get her too. Mm. Now, at that point, I thought she was offering the her other the other breast <laughs> yeah. to him, which seems like a strange offer. What, is but one it enough? It, it isn't know. the offer. The offer is the, her friend. Her friend. Right, yeah. 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 I, but it, it, initially, you're like, do you try harder for a second breast? I mean, what is the what is the quota in terms of, I'm going to race just that bit faster for a second breast? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, when he offers the, when she offers the friend, it's somehow worse than uh, than the offerage of the breast. Yeah, do you think? But isn't she lying? <laughs> isn't she lying? Doesn't he then lose, and then that first breast is yeah. then taken away from him? Yeah. What a bitch! <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a lie, though, isn't it? It's it's false advertising. I'm, false it's a lie. She said, "Whether you win or lose, you get the breast," let and then have, she she wouldn't let him have the breast. Let yeah, her have this. She's coming back from skanks. Okay, so. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I was distracted by and loved. They do the the cool thing where they spray paint the line on the floor mm. and Brian the fucking moron <laughs> fucking drives over it. The boy can't even break. Like, what what hope does he have? Uh, yeah. Uh, we did find out what uh, NOS is, or nitrous oxide, mm. uh, at this point, which I think was the coolest thing in the world in 2001, going, yeah. you can get this gas that just makes a car go faster. And we get that shot, which also is the coolest thing in the world that you mentioned, where... The camera goes into the gearbox and through the engine and out the exhaust. Rob Cohen attaches a lot to those three seconds of film. Uh, He says, the scenes where we shot this kind of human arm, gearbox, engine, exhaust, that was to portray that the people are at one with their machines. Mm. It cost us one and a half million dollars just to get that short sequence right. Wow. Wow. And thinking how negative the studio, Universal, was to the film, they weren't happy about that. But it was important. It was the difference between a flop and a success for him. Mm. I get it. And I can, I can, I can remember seeing it in the trailer and thinking, that is cool. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in this, but that's something I've not seen before. Yeah. yeah. And the nitrous oxide, that <clears> is, <throat> that's even from the Vibe article. Um, he talks about it being obviously the guys using their cars, but it's a gaseous liquid once used in bomber planes in World War mm. Two. Um, so it's got some history. Yeah, um, the whole race, however. Uh, oh, sorry, he does go on in that in that same answer. He goes, "All year I struggled with Universal's criticism. You'll be ruined," they said. You know that Jerry Bruckheimer is making a car movie as well, right? They were talking about Gone in sixty seconds. He's not happy. This was from twenty fourteen. Mm. Uh, that whole race though I do not <clears throat> love it's like car stunts need to be done 
for real. Or if you're using CGI, the cars have to be doing something like, I don't know, jumping from one skyscraper to another. Yeah, straight line, it's not. And I didn't. I don't understand because later on in the film, it becomes such a big plot point um, or character point about this these 10 second races, these 10 second cars. I'm, I'm, it just confused me initially because this this race lasts for about two minutes, yeah. and so it's not really clear that we've slowed all this down. Actually, it doesn't last for. T- they haven't even slowed it down. He's doing all shit on his computer. He's doing a lot of things which you can't possibly do in ten seconds. So it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, and it's also got moments where people driving that fast uh, do things that you would never really do when you're behind the wheel. Like go, geez, that guy's fast. <laughs> like, ugh, no one would say that. You'd be concentrating on not dying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thankfully, we get some much better in-camera stunt work during the police chase following this, where Brian saves Dom. We also find that Dom did two years for nearly beating a man to death, and he will die before he ever goes back to prison. Which I guess is kind of important later. We'll Mm. come to the ending. Um, What they just what they should have done. I like that. There's Mm. your beat, but they repeat the beat too often. So Dom says, "I did two years in prison. I won't go back to prison. That's fine." and then Brian is told, oh, do you know what he did those two years for? He beat the shit out of someone. So we've been told that. It's like, oh, because this thing about him being cool and he's got it all in mm. control, Dom does, is uh, a fallacy. And then um, his boss, Brian's boss, shows him a picture of the guy. So the mistake is you need to stagger that beat. So you need to have, I went to prison, but I'm not, I won't tell you what for. Mm. Um, and then it's like he went to prison, but it was actually for a really long time. And then it was for this, the visual. Because by the time you see that man's beat up face, you're like, but I know that because you told me. But isn't there, it, it, it's it's setting up the idea that we think Dom is a, a dickhead or, or like not a dickhead, a but villain. A villain. He's like he beat up a man, and we have to wait until the garage scene mm. where they're walking around the car where he goes, "This is the reason." So yeah. up until that point, and the reveal that it was because a guy, the guy killed his dad on the racetrack. Yeah, yeah, but no, no. Uh, <laughs> we briefly meet Diane of the Days, Rick Yoon, as Johnny Tran, the leader of a rival gang, uh, who shoots up a car and makes it explode. Uh, again, another confusing moment uh, for me, which goes back to what you're saying about technical terms making their way into the movie without explanation. Uh, just before Dom uh, sees the car explode, he shouts, Nas! Yeah. And I didn't realise at that point, that was an abbreviation for nitrous oxide. I was mm. like, you, you shout your favourite hip-hop artist mm. before the no, car explodes. he says it at the beginning. At the beginning, he's like, I need Nas. And then it's right. on the tanks of stuff. I probably couldn't hear that over rolling, rolling, rolling. Then we get the party. Now, I'm surprised you said this party was boring, Chris, because uh, I, I think it outdoes Point Break's no, party. Uh, no, you've got a guy playing guitar along to what, oh, the music on the stereo. That's God. the worst thing in the world. Go home. I mean, it's cool, you know, there's people making out, but then people playing video games. And I think, is that the party where... No, it's, an, it's a later party where someone's watching one of Rob Cohen's films on the telly, which is really cringe. See, I thought what you thought initially, but then I thought a bit more about it because it is part orgy slash sex party and part mm. Michelle Rodriguez, who looks like a child, mm. playing video games on the TV. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a sex and video game party <laughs> as an invitation. It's like, that's an amazing gift. Like It's like, come, if you don't want to have sex, play Tekken. <laughs> I'd love that. Have a Snapple. Or <laughs> <laughs> listen to the guy strumming along to the new metal on the stereo. Not so good. I mean, and it's Vince. Yeah. Actually, I don't like Vince. He's a musician. He's an artist. And he knows Brian's a cop. Again here, where he goes, <laughs> oh, it's the cop. <laughs> <laughs> 
was also a. This is the one thing this movie is not short on is car-based metaphors. Uh, and in this scene, uh, Dead Meat, aka Jesse, is engaged in some heavy petting with a girl. Dom sees this and says, "Take it upstairs because you can't detail a car with the cover on." What does that mean? <laughs> it means he can't get to her body because she's got her clothes mm, on yeah. like a car you can't detail a car examine oh, the engine oh. when the hood's down yep. I, do you know what I didn't hear it because my neighbour was <laughs> yelling at me I thought he was which saying which beer are you at <laughs> oh, I hate you I thought he was saying that oh, you need to concentrate for tomorrow or something it doesn't matter it doesn't matter uh, yeah well it's not it's Vin Diesel comparing a girl to a car she doesn't have a problem with it uh, <laughs> there's obviously the point break reference a lot of Corona apparently no deal was ever made with Corona uh, it was just Rob Cohen's choice uh, whereas for us we are looking for a sponsorship thanks for bringing in the Corona Chris it's delicious mm. oh that's a good idea I might be tweeting them when this one goes out <laughs> So uh, we're about 30 minutes in, and this is a big difference between uh, Fast and Furious and Point Break. Uh, we only now find out that Brian is mm. actually a cop. It's so interesting. So obviously, the first, can you remember the first time you saw it? And you, Were you shocked or were you like, oh, wow, he's, I know that it's really obvious now. And anytime you watch it, you know it. And so the reveal, is it a reveal or is it just like, why have you taken 35 minutes to have this scene? I think the, I think I walked into this movie... Or no put way. it on going, it's about an undercover cop yeah, okay. infiltrating a car gang. I don't know if that was ever said beforehand. I don't know if we're meant to be shocked at this point. I, I certainly wasn't this time, obviously. <clears throat> yeah, but why would you go in thinking that unless you knew? Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying... I mean, I knew, so I knew. So I, I don't know if it, the reveal works or not because mm. I've watched it after I'd watched part five. Yeah. Well, yes, I, so I, I do not know if it works as a twist. Yeah, I don't either. So. Uh, I do know. Let us know. Having Buffalo Bill as your boss was a bit of a twist for me. Ted amazing. Levine being oh, awesome. He's amazing. He's so good. Uh, and uh, despite not being a street racer himself, Ted Levine cannot resist some car-based <laughs> metaphor work either. <laughs> oh, I know what you're going to say here. Uh, well, it's the one that I used at the start. He tells Brian that Dom's blood is nitrous and his brain is a gas tank. Awesome. Fantastic. Yep. And that's... Doesn't he later on describe two people as fumes as yeah. well? Mm. He go, yeah, he describes the fact that they were going after other people. He's like, everything but Dom is just fumes. Just fumes. He gets a lot of the best lines, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also gets a really nice character moment where uh, in one of the small, quiet moments, this is a movie, this is a movie that d- does not do subtlety at all, apart from in one scene where Brian, who you do not think is a smoker, goes, I really want a fucking cigarette. And, oh, yeah. And he goes, don't give him a cigarette. And the FBI's like, give him a cigarette. And he's like, no, don't give him a cigarette. <laughs> and he's really fatherly towards him. That's kind of to show that he's going native, isn't it, is what they call it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, meanwhile, <laughs> and this is my favourite bit. Brian, meanwhile, uh, decides to join Dom at a street racing festival that the organisers have actually decided to call Race Wars. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which, granted, it was 2001, and it, it, but wow, what a name for a, a, a festival, Race Wars. Um, but before they go, um, they have the staple of the franchise, or what would become a staple of the franchise, the family barbecue. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's lovely. I got hungry at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, although Dom never says family in this. It's Ted Levine who mentions family, uh, although he would come to say it a lot in subsequent films. Do you think it's bad, though, that the film that they're watching later in that scene is a Rob Cohen movie on what the telly? Movie is like, it? isn't, I mean, it's Dragon the Bruce Lee story, which is maybe his best film, I would say. But like, isn't that like if you're, a, if you're a DJ in a band and you play one of your own records, you're just 
it's not the done thing. No, I don't like it. Okay. This... I was once in a voiceover booth with Gary from Snow Patrol, and I was a little bit drunk, and <laughs> I was going, I kept putting on Snow Patrol songs and going, sing it! Sing it! <laughs> was this like a weird birthday present for you? So I've got you Gary from Snow Patrol. <laughs> he did, he like, did he like it? <laughs> We've locked the door. Yeah. There's only Snow Patrol on the system. You've he got will, one hour. He will break. <laughs> did, he like, did he like it? He didn't like it. Okay, no. He didn't like it, and he didn't sing it, which was annoying. I thought, I'm like, run. I was a big yeah. Snow Patrol fan. Yeah, it's Not to be dead. Good found. Gary. <laughs> Gary. We paid you some money, so. Yeah. Uh, it was a hard no, unsurprisingly. Uh, a couple of misdirections here. Uh, mm. First of all, you think Hector yep. might be the robber after he asks Brian for parts for a Honda Civic. Times three. Times Just three. Just in case you missed it. <laughs> uh, and then there's the suggestion that Johnny Tran and his gang are involved. Because uh, Brian's snooping round. Uh, Vince goes, he's literally a cop. And Tom goes, nah. nah. Vince is like, Ugh. I mean, if I was Vince, I would never let that go in my continuing relationship with Dom. Do you remember when I said he was a cop? And you said, no. It's like, yeah, we're going to the cinema. Can I pick the movie? I remember when he said he was a cop. I'll be picking the movie. So um, let's take a short break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This week at Sukarnov. 
on the latest episode of Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy. Melissa speaks to footballer Lee Nicholl, who in 2019 was hacked and had intimate footage leaked online. Lee opens up about the impact it had on her and how she came back from it. The first mental impact, it was sheer shock. It was panic attacks. It was shame. It was guilt. I think I felt every single sense of emotion. It felt a little bit like grief, as if I had lost someone, but I hadn't lost someone. The only person I think I'd lost was myself. Meanwhile, on the latest On the Continent on Football Ramble Presents, Dotton, Andy and Miguel Delaney unpack everything surrounding the Super League and how it has changed football forever. When you watch a Champions League game, when you watch, say, Manchester United in Champions League, Real Madrid in Champions League, it's not just a match. It's that every single minute of the match is imbued with seven decades of history. The Super League which has none of that. It was getting quite sad for that, that we were going to lose this and have to face this monstrosity. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Then there's a... Another quite strange scene uh, where I, I guess is there to signpost Johnny Tran as a bad guy. Johnny Tran is quite a confusing character because he's a rich kid who lives with his parents but still pumps men full of oil when he wants to torture them. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> pumped him full of oil last night. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's just there. I didn't really, if I'm totally honest and I'm kind of embarrassed, I didn't really understand this scene where the guy's like, he's like, the engines are missing. It's like, how did you get the cars in with no engines? Where have these engines gone? Who's this guy? Who's Ted? <laughs> how is Ted responsible <clears throat> for these missing engines? I read it as the, the cars went into the garage with an engine because that makes things a lot easier. Right. Ted's a fence, so someone stole the engines and Ted will have fenced those parts. See. I don't know, though. I mean, filling in a lot of gaps. Yeah, a lot of gaps. <laughs> uh, we are introduced to Dom's 1970s Dodge Charger and we get the story of his dad being killed by another driver during a race and then Dom approaching <clears throat> the guy afterwards and beating him nearly to death with a crowbar, which is supposed to, I guess, make you go, oh, so he had his reasons. It's like... It was during a race. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of reason in inverted commas. Can you still do that? No. 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 Um, and we have the famous line, I live my life a quarter mile at a time, which is, uh, as I've said, how but, I live mine. But he also talks about, it's quite confusing, just the idea of him hearing his dad screaming as his dad died, but then <laughs> being told by other onlookers that it was his own screams he could hear. <laughs> That's quite a strange concept. Isn't it the isn't it the old switcheroo? Because it's initially suggesting that his dad did die screaming, yes. and that is really dark. Yeah, and then they undo it because it's too dark, and actually his dad did die instantly. Yeah, that's true. I think it was just for an actor to show off a bit. Yeah, because you get to go, but it was me. <laughs> and I, I think he's quite good in that scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's what Rob Cohen says about that scene. You remember that scene where Vin Diesel walks around his car and talks about his dad? You know, the part of the reason about why he was doing what he does? Studio wanted to cut that whole part out! (laughs) You know, he started off as a very serious actor. He was writing and directing his own stuff. Um, Spielberg saw that stuff and wrote a part for him in Saving Private Ryan. So, you know, he is Mr. Beefcake now, but he was, you know, this this feels like the kind of um, scene he wants to do. Mm He, wanted, he thought his career might go in that direction, I think. I think he's very good in this film, full stop. I think uh, not just because he has a... You know, you hate the term X Factor, but there is something about his presence it's a in presence, a scene yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. that makes him just insanely watchable and likeable, and that comes across. And that voice. That, it's the voice, the, to, yeah. to sound like you've been gargling gravel all day, 
it really has an effect. Like, yeah, it's you an know, amazing it, voice. It's, as soon as he speaks, you you feel like you're in the presence of something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's another now to point break. Now, Dom and Brian uh, bond over shrimp in Neptune's net, as we discussed in the connection section on Monday. Then we're at Race Wars. Uh, Letty gets her moment to shine. Uh, Jesse gets to set up his death. Uh, <laughs> it, it looks cool, kind of, this festival. It's, it's Burning Man for Carl's, isn't it? <laughs> Look, yeah. I, I, it's count, a countdown moment. I'll just show you my working out. Burning yep. Man <laughs> with Carl's. The one addendum to that sentence that I will add is that it's full of beautiful, sexy people dancing, having a great time, drinking, very scantily clad. They're all very sexy. And looks the one, hot. It looks hot. It looks hot. Yeah. But the one thing that you have to remember throughout that entire scene is they all have to take a shit in a portaloo. Mm. And that changes it for me. I don't know if you've ever been to a garage. I'm going to assume not. Those mm. girls are no garages. I don't know what the attraction <laughs> is. I've been to a lot of garages. Have you? Yeah, because I used to have the van, didn't I? The van brought down all the time. That's, why I, know, that's why I know anything about cars. But girls love a boy racer. Yeah, those do we? Women are, those women are real. I mean, those you read the Vibe article, those women are real that will follow these men around yeah. who, do, who, who do this. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you see, <laughs> there's no one more boring in the whole world than a Formula One race driver. Whoa. Then fuck me, they're boring. I understand that what they do for a living is, is almost die a quarter of a mile at a time. But when they interview them after, you're just like, where is the personality? That is a very sweeping generalisation. Yeah, and I think, I think they have to do as well. Part of it is them doing that sporting thing of trying not to say anything mm. of any interest. They do a brilliant job of yeah. that. Yeah. Kimi Raikkonen. Okay. I raise you Kimi Raikkonen. I think he's definitely one of the most interesting Formula One drivers um, because they were trying to interview him after a race and they couldn't find him. To interview him, and uh, he'd crashed and gone and got himself an ice cream. (laughs) 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 They were like, uh, apparently, Kimmy's gone to get an ice cream. uh, So, that's that's why we can't interview him. (laughs) That's lovely. And also, James, the guy that Chris Chris Hemsworth played, James, he's he he was a James Hunt, James Hunt back in the day, yeah, Mr. Charisma. Yeah, but that was a different time now. Vicky's talking about now they're all media trained, and like, and you know, if you have an opinion, you lose fans. So don't have an opinion because someone will disagree with your opinion. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I think it is media training. It's media training, but it's the same for movie stars as well. You know, you try and call an opinion from a movie star about something outside, you know, how great it was working with X. Did you enjoy interviewing the fast cast? Because obviously it's sort of a revolving door. Each year you'd be a new, <laughs> like a new set of people you'd be speaking to. Yeah. I, I loved it. I can go through them individually. Uh, Paul Walker mm. was always lovely. He's always the, the nicest mm. And also, knowing people who work behind the scenes for Universal, they said the same thing, which they don't say about some of the other Fast and Furious people. Paul Walker was the nicest behind the scenes as he was with the press. So that's lovely to hear. So he was the first time I flew to LA was to interview Paul Walker. Mm. Uh, And it it was quite funny because we were... I'd never been to LA. We were staying at the Mondrian Hotel and you could still smoke in hotel rooms at that point. Those hotel rooms are entirely white. Like Mm -hmm. the walls are white, the carpet's white, the furniture's white. I felt guilty smoking in them because I was like, I'm going to get ash on something. We set this shot up down by the pool to interview Paul Walker with the LA skyline behind us. And obviously Paul Walker is based in LA. And so it's it's not that novel to him that we've got the LA skyline. This is going to go out on MTV. It's like LA behind us, cool. Sits down in the chair and he goes, it's a bit sunny. And they're like, oh, you can put your shades on. He's like, I forgot them. Uh, cue about 20 pairs of shades being thrust in front of him. We've got all these shades. He goes, 
yeah, I'm not feeling any of those. Can we take it inside? And so we shot it in a hotel room, <laughs> just like we would have done if we'd been in London. <laughs> because also, you, it's a crime to cover up his eyes. Mm. He has the most beautiful eyes. Mm. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Paul Walker, always lovely. Uh, the Rock talks and sound bites, which is a dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vin Diesel and I go back a long way in terms of I've interviewed him for so many times. He was one of my first interviews for MTV, and I was doing him for a Fast and Furious movie, and we were doing it, and we saw I had about two minutes left. He was like, "Have you got enough?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. Why?" And he's like, "I want to show you the new trailer for the Chronicles of Riddick." And he got his <laughs> iPad out, and it wasn't released yet, and I'm sitting there watching it because I love Riddick. Mm. Uh, isn't that character? That's his best character. Um, he made me go out and get coffee for his assistant, and then she didn't want it. <laughs> and and that's I think that's consistent with some of the power plays that he does when he goes places. He's told her not to want it, like she's gasping, but he's like, turn that fucking thing down. I think he just wants to make sure people will do what he what he wants, do his bidding. No, he turned up at the Guardians of the Galaxy premiere on stilts because he was playing Groot and nearly went straight through the barrier into the crowd. <laughs> I'll tell you some Vin Diesel stories after this. <laughs> uh, okay, good. Oh, is, is that the uh, the new uh, Patreon pod that we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Behind the paywall, you can hear the dirt. <laughs> the one that will lose me my job. <laughs> um, so, where did we get to? Oh, yes. Uh, Mia finds out Brian's a cop. Uh, I say she finds out. He goes, I'm a cop, but she does deliver the best, you bastard. <laughs> I love the way she says it. Not like that, but she's very much like, you bastard. (laughs) Why I order. Uh, We get the climactic truck heist. People really love this heist. I think I like it. It's very Mad Max, um, but Mm. I don't love it. Um, Okay. I did love it. Mm. Yeah, I really liked it. Just for the misdirection. You know, you you just assume it's going to work. They're going to free Vince. And they don't. And so, and I was like, I can't believe I didn't see that coming because obviously then Brian's got to turn up and save the day. But it just looked like it was all going to work and they were going to get away and there was something else going to happen. I just, I think because for me, it's the car stunts that I really love. And a lot of it is sort of Vince hanging off the truck and gunshots. I only love the bit where Letty goes under the car, (laughs) under under the truck, truck. which is a repeat sort of from earlier, but it's still. Just great. Um, and then obviously we get the reveal. Uh, Dom finds out that Brian is a cop and Vin sells the shit out of that face. Like That is betrayal in one man's face. And then we're into the actual climax. Uh, Johnny Trannon's mate Lance, despite seemingly living at their parents um, and as mentioned by the police earlier, have only some minor offences. Mm. Uh, they were like, we've got nothing on them. Uh, we've got a, maybe a parking ticket and a speeding fine. Uh, they escalate to murder very quickly. <laughs> Considering that they seem like not murderers, they're like, well, happily gunned down Jesse and his car. And then Brian and Vince have a... Uh, Brian and Vince. Uh, Brian and Dom have a drag race, which I'd like to know your thoughts on this ending because a lot of people don't like the ending. I went through some of the reviews from the time and people mm-hmm. go, the ending is ridiculous. I'm not sure why. Fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It, it makes sense. I think narratively. Yeah. I think it's a. It's it's the. It's sort of a payoff to stuff they've been setting up all through the film. And so he lets him go. Yes. Because he respects him. Respects him. Loves him. Or We're friends. Is he worried that Dom says, I'll die before I go back to prison? Mm. And he's worried that if they catch him, Dom will do something stupid and kill himself before yeah. he goes back to prison. In which case, Dom is a clever man going, 
By the way, uh, I know you're a cop. I will die before I go back to prison. So, so don't let me go to prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those it's... are sirens. <laughs> Give me your khakis. I think it's as simple as he lets him go because they're friends. And then and it's about no, they're not. It's because they're family. I mean, obviously it becomes, but they they I didn't realize the family thing does start with the first film. And this is it. This is his new family. So he's letting his brother go that he wants to have sex with. <laughs> So shall we do uh, the legacy of the film, unless anyone's got any more on that ending? Well, there's a post-credit sting. Did anyone stick around to I watch that? I fucking knew there was. Oh, <laughs> Did you watch I Alex? was watching it with Mark and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like spinning through. I was like, the credits are very long and I knew there must be something because that's what people... And he was like, stop it. And I just kept trying to find it. He's going, stop it, stop it. And then he made me stop it. And I was like, I know I've missed something. What Did is you watch it? it? Is it the Dominican Republic? Um, no, no, that's fast. That's, no, that's, no. Number, that's movie number four. Sorry, go on. Have you, did you not watch it? No. It's your film. I didn't know. Um, uh, <laughs> Mark was watching it with me. He was doubling up. He loves this movie. He came over, <laughs> left Vicky on her own. Dom is speeding down a street in Mexico uh, into the sunset and he's narrating. We hear his voice and he says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters for those 10 seconds or less. I'm free. That is interesting. And there's the alternative ending. Did you watch the alternative ending? No. Yes. That is rubbish. <laughs> um, Tanner drops Brian. Like Brian's done. Brian's let him get away. Brian's messed up so badly, and yet his boss drops him at Dom's house. <laughs> <laughs> and me, Mia's there. She tells him she's moving away, and she's angry with him. And he says, "Oh, I'm not a cop anymore. I quit. Um, I let your brother go quietly." And she takes him back. And it's like, oh, that's not the ending. Like, I'm so glad they lobbed that off. That was a studio uh, note was that ending. And I'm so glad we just got the simple, you know, Dom goes off in the sunset. So the legacy of the film, brand new section, 38 million costs, 210 million in box office. It did well. So obviously we got sequels. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the ending and Dom the rating and driving in Mexico because... Uh, Rob Cohen didn't come back for the sequel. And when he was asked about this, he said, well, tough question. That's the reason I wouldn't do the second one. Uh, the reason I wouldn't do the second one is that it should have started with a clip from the first one and continued with Vin Diesel's whereabouts, what he was doing, how he was injured, etc. The sequel didn't address that at all. So to be honest, I did not care for the movie. And Tokyo Drift, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. They thought the story was 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 going to be Brian's, and obviously it becomes Brian's. But I think people were more enamoured with the Dominic Toretto character than the Brian. But character. I think it would have been it would have been different because the Tyrese Gibson character Roman is uh, they reversioned what Dom's character sure. would have been into his character in that movie. So it would have been Brian contacting Dom for help with that cop mission whatever he's up to, the FBI mission. Um, uh, Vin Diesel, despite being offered $25 million to reprise his role, uh, said he declined to appear because he was not happy with the script. He says, sequels had gotten such a bad name and I'd start to think of the first Fast and the Furious as a classic, like a rebel without a cause. If we sequelized it the way studios were doing at the time, just slapping a story together, I'd ruin the chance of that first one becoming a classic. He was in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> but he got his way. Yeah, he did. Um, so uh, Rob Cohen and uh, Vin Diesel did work together, obviously, on Triple uh, X. And that's all well, I think we'll ever say about Triple X on this show. Uh, but he also did The Chronicles of Riddick. Now, Vin Diesel comes back in Tokyo Drift. As I've said, I love Riddick. And he agreed to do the cameo in Tokyo Drift uh, without money. Uh, he said, the studio, you don't have to pay me. Universal, you do not have to pay me. What I want is the rights to Riddick back so I can carry on the character because I want to look after that character. And uh, have you seen The Chronicles of Riddick? Yeah, I have. 
I, have you seen the Chronicles of Riddick? I don't like it as much as you, Alex. It's a it's a brilliant space <laughs> opera, and it boring. breaks my heart that Riddick then had to sort of backtrack into these smaller budget movies instead of continuing the story of the Necromongers. Mm. I know, I know that's how you feel. It is how I feel. Agree to disagree. Do you know, uh, Victoria, do you want to know? I don't think you do want to know. <laughs> I feel this section goes on a bit long, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, it's about the the, where, the fact that Tokyo Drift, where it fits into chronologically in the franchise, but we'll skip over that. Okay. That I already. did look into the chronology of it all because it's so complicated. I watched a 10-minute video trying to explain the chronology. Oh, we're back in the game. No, no. <laughs> it's boring. It's, it's ultimately it. boring. Well, is it? Uh, Although it's mad that they have to give Letty, at one stage, they have to give her amnesia for everything to make sense. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a real thing that happens in these films. Whoa. The reason it might be worth bringing up is because, obviously, with F9 uh, coming out this year, so there's the Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, then, chronologically, it's the fourth film because Tokyo Drift happens uh, at this point. <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> it gets interesting. Han is back in the trailer for Fast and the Furious 9 and he's dead. <laughs> so it's like, why are they bringing him back? Or rather, how are they bringing him back? Which I think might make or break these final three movies. It'll be fine. It doesn't matter. It genuinely doesn't matter how they bring him back. They'll be fine. Fine. John Cena uh, just started following me on Twitter. So, uh, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Ask him if he wants to come and get... cover cover which one? Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I think we might be done. Then uh, the only question I have for you uh, is: What is your favourite Fast and Furious movie, <laughs> Victoria? Uh, I think it's. Um, the Fast and the Furious the one we just watched yeah I, I really I like to see a story sort of bed in and mm. like the sort of origins of where these really sort of intriguing characters come from mm. I'd, I mean I do feel sad that I've missed the development of Michelle Rodriguez's character's footwear because her shoes are shit <laughs> I'd like to see how that develops yeah Chris Fast Five, the one I started with. Yep. I, I mean, I, I think I got the best one to kick off my fast journey. You did. It is It is still the best Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, it's just a joy, that, that one. That safe chase through the end is the best yeah. moment from all the movies. Uh, what's, right, yours, what's yours? Fast Five. Fast Five, yeah, sorry. without a doubt. Uh, best scene... Are we ready to do the bit? Sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, best scene, Chris. Uh, the, what you said you didn't like that much. I, I love that Vince hanging off that truck. <coughs> I think that's really exciting. I think the stunts are awesome. And yeah. My favourite scene in the, in the film. It's the same for me. Really? Yeah. It's weird. Even now, I can't remember much about this movie. There's not a really memorable scene. I do think there is a, a dearth of good car stunts in a movie that is about street racing, but it's the police chase following the street race where Brian rescues Dom uh, because the way the car power slides out of the alley and across the street, I love, love a power slide. I think it's awesome. Who's your MVW, Victoria? Ted Levine. <laughs> I just think the benevolent wisdom, the fatherly concern for young Brian. But actually, the thing that really nailed it for me after when I was thinking about it is very early on when Brian goes to the police house. Love that house as well, by the yeah, way. Police mansion. <laughs> oh, police mansion. I, I, I really got, I went down a rabbit hole trying to find out about that house. Is it? Was it really? So, really soon after they shot there, someone, uh, a billionaire bought it and knocked it down. <gasps> oh, that's And a he shame. built something so big <clears throat> that he started off with a um, 60 lot car park before he built the house. Oh my god! For his own house. Wow, that's mad. Yeah, but but got rid of that really just 1960s, it's you know, amazing. with all it's the windows. Space, it looks it, yeah, awesome. It's really good. There's, there's, a, a, no, go there's a house in Highgate, the second largest privately owned property in London after Buckingham Palace. Mm -hmm. Is uh, your house? <laughs> 
So I started I with a seventy lot car park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but they they it's they were building it for about ten years. Like there was always work going on, but they dug it out so it's bigger underground now mm. than it is on the surface. And they've got a car park down there, swimming pool, cinema, bowling alleys, the works, and you can't say who owns it. The Daily Express printed uh, who owned it, and then the woman uh, in question sued them uh, successfully. So I'm not going to say who owns it. That's weird. It'd yeah. be on the deeds somewhere. Yeah, but she's done it through an because... offshore company. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Ted Levine. There's a moment where in the police house, um, he says to a police person, a young guy, he's like, hey, son, go and get us four iced cappuccinos or something like that. Mm. And I thought it was a joke, you know, like, a, you know, a dad going, go and get out a long stand or go and ask for stripy paint or whatever. <laughs> dad jokes. And actually, no, this, this, and then the next shot is Ted Levine with this massive, like, frothy, chilled coffee. Um, I thought that was quite sweet. He's playing it for laughs, I think. Yeah. And I think that'll be him because I think he's got a sense of humour. I mm. think he's like, give me the most ridiculous coffee. Yeah. I mean, I really, really love him because of Silence of the Lambs and I can't not see him and not choose him. Because there's a weird moment, isn't there, where they go, uh, do you want it caffeinated or decaffeinated? And it's really yeah. close on his face and he sort of turns to camera and he's mm-hmm. like, decaffeinated. That's what I mean. It's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> uh, mine is Vin Diesel. Um, I just genuinely think he or brings something incredible uh, to Dom. Uh, his presence in these movies is one of the reasons I believe they're a success. What would you change, Victoria? I mean, I'd like to do my most valuable whatever, if that was cool with you, oh, Alex. Sorry, yeah. So mine is for persevering, for adapting, for reinventing, for having the vision is Neil Moritz for keeping going with this. Um, I mean, watching this film, I wouldn't have thought, if I'd seen this in 2001, I wouldn't have thought, oh, in 15 years' time, there's going to be one of these films that will actually make you cry in a cinema. <laughs> and obviously that's for something that happened off screen, but the way they dealt with it was so powerfully done, I thought so beautifully done, mm. that I I just, I'm, I'm amazed that I've become so engaged with these storylines based on this film just being okay. <laughs> so that is the end of Fast and Furious 7 where yeah. Dom and... Brian and Don, Paul Walker yeah. and Diesel are driving along and then they separate and it's, drive their separate honestly, ways. Honestly, even describing it and the song that plays. Mm, it's I, I know James, who directed that one, and I, I emailed him afterwards to say that I just thought, I thought he'd really done a good job and, and that talk about that. And he, he, he said, he wrote back and said, we honestly didn't think we had a film. We, we thought this was, you know, this would never come out. It was just something that would have to disappear. So yeah. the fact that that's kind of worked, how, trying to deal with this tragedy, mm-hmm. the fact that it's kind of worked, you know, he was... He, you know, chuffed it. Happened, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Mm. It's 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 such a it's such a tragic thing. But um, yeah. So Neil Moritz, I think it's amazing to have kept going and to finally nail it. Well, while you're on a roll, why don't you do your change? Have them steal something better than DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> it's shit DVD players. It's just shit. <laughs> it's that simple. They were a big deal in 2001. No, they're still DVD players. I don't know. I mean, they're 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 stealing they're stealing a drug baron safe with a hundred million dollars in it as they as they persevere. It just seems a bit what really? I just it's the TV with the built-in VCR that gets me. It's right in the front of shot as well. I I, I did some digging to find out if it was a sort of in joke. But it's not. It's just that they, they think that that's a good thing to steal. What's your change, uh, Victoria? Just two things. I know that's greedy. But first of all, when Vince and Dom think that Brian is a cop and they've punched him or something, he's on the floor. And one of them says, "These no, Dom says, these is one of these situations in life where you need to be very clear what you say. 
Not if you understand. <laughs> like, why is it not say yes if yeah. you understand? That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but my real change is if I see one more lingering shot of a young girl in what we called in the noughties a skirt, which is a skirt with shorts underneath <laughs> it, or a handkerchief top, I will fucking scream. It's overdone. It's sexist bullshit. Mia basically gets her tits out for no reason. So before the house party, she's like, oh, Brian's coming over. I must get changed. That's fine as a beat. We do not need to see her take her top off. It's in there because the director could get away with it. That makes him a douche who can fuck off. Do we, what do we see her boobs? No, she whips her. She goes, she's like, oh, fuck. And then goes to the mirror. She says, oh, she swears. No, she swears. Well, like the oh, worst. fuck, I've taken my brazier off. <laughs> this is not how I remember this scene at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't see her boobs. No, you see her naked back. And just before she goes, shush, listen, just before she walks to a mirror where you would see her boobs because she's got nothing on, mm. he politely cuts away. But he's made that girl take her top off for no reason. Fuck you. So Rob Cohen had agreed to come on next week's show. <laughs> I can be just one of those suits that he doesn't like. That's fine. Uh, my change is less scorts, for fuck's sake, uh, and also more car chasers, uh, bigger car chasers. What's I a feel- scort? I've just fucking told you. Yeah, what is it? So it's a skirt that's yeah. really short, and underneath you've got hot pants. So you see them in Fast and Furious a lot. So the skirt split yeah, yeah. goes right up the side, but obviously you see a, a little flash of like a hot pant. You know what I mean? What can would you, you rather? Can you see Vicky's hands from where you're sitting, <laughs> yeah, Chris? Because yeah. yeah, she's yeah, showing yeah. us. But what would you rather they wear? If that, I feel like that's what these women wear at these races. Well, you should know it because there's so many shots of like, let's yeah, go yeah. look at this woman's legs yeah. and let's look at the handkerchief. It'd be top. worse if they were just skirts, though, surely. A skirt at least offers some, some modesty. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I just mean, do you not think there's a lot of shots She's of She's like- had a beer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you both have. It's frightening me. I don't want a bridesmaid situation. <laughs> One last thing. Yeah. There's a moment in the script where Dom says to Brian, uh, Brian says, why does Johnny Tran hate you so much? He said, I made the mistake of fucking his sister or something. That, that is the script <laughs> saying... a lot more swear words into this film than we're actually in it. I'm sort of into this version of the Fast and the Furious. The fucking Fast oh. and the fucking Furious. <laughs> no, but listen, the script then telegraphs don't sleep with someone's sister. He says, I made the mistake of sleeping mm. with Johnny Tran's sister. That is a mistake in this film. Yeah. Brian gets to sleep with Mia and Dom's like, don't break her heart, dude. It's very, like, oh, is I that agree. it? I like, agree. It's very strange. It's very off. It's contradicting itself. Yeah, I'm with That's you on that. It. With apologies to Corona for the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you apologising to our sponsor? Oh, because they're our sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, me. Right then, shall we just do the verdict? Yeah. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Great, because I want more Corona. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they were your movies, Chris. Oh, they were, weren't they? Um, so I won't go first. Uh, Vicky, what would you go for? I haven't written any reasons. I have to say... Um, Lazy? Yeah, sorry. The Fast and the Furious did charm me a lot by the end because it's so silly. The script is bad. And there's a lot of, like, you know, the lingering shots of legs and boobs and whatnot. And, and and I thought the racing stuff was cool and I did love that visual with the, you know, the, the, the people melding with machines. I get all of that. I suppose as well it did a good job of convincing me, that this is my crap sports knowledge, that racing in a straight line is a hard thing because surely racing in a straight line is just how good your car is. Yeah, Which is a lot of you, the point of it. You don't want to go too soon on the NAS. Yeah, but I do. I, having said Formula One drivers are fucking boring, I do understand the, the skill involved because they've got to take corners. So there's some braking involved there. <laughs> yeah, no, this is about speed. So think of yeah. it like the 100 metres. 
Dash. Yeah, okay. I guess it's a bit like deception. You're basically not letting someone know how good your car is yeah. with your poker face. Yeah, I suppose. Mm-hmm. However, Point Break is, I think, the, it's a stone-cold classic for lots of reasons, which may not have been obvious at the time, but it is just fucking brilliant. And the dialogue is so memorable. It's And it's crackers, and it works perfectly. So I do think The Fast and the Furious is a good film, but I do think Point Break is better. Alex? Well, as I said on Monday's show, Point Break has an urgency and a realism about the action, thanks to Catherine Bigelow's directing that makes it feel dangerous and raw and tense. And it has a really interesting antagonist in Bodhi. But I really enjoyed revisiting Fast and Furious and seeing how this little movie grew into the 10th biggest franchise in cinema history. And I'm a big Vin Diesel fan. In all honesty, I'm so on the fence this week because... And I don't know if my reasoning it's doesn't bullshit. work. It's bullshit. Yeah, that's, I was going to try and fucking Sorry. bullshit. Um, the thing is, I don't think there's enough difference between the films for me to not bring in the fact that the Fast and the Furious created a, an amazing franchise. So clearly had something about it that was there from the off with Paul Walker's character and Vin Diesel's presence. So I'm I'm going to go with Fast and Furious because I also want to make it slightly more... Uh, scary for you, Chris. Not scary this week. Yep, it's not. Is it? One of those easy weeks. Yeah, it's it's point break. It really. I mean, yeah. mate, Fine. come on. <laughs> it I... copied it. It copied and pasted the script. Um, and... Hey, I don't see P nine coming out this year. Where. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's F nine. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing, though. Maybe that's a good thing that it's just sort of captured in this one-off film. But and I'll keep it very brief because I do want a Corona. My reasoning is. <laughs> Uh, I think these are both uh, very good bad movies, but I'm going for Point Break because I think there's some artistry and there's some poetry in the stupidity. It's a fair point. I mean, Point Break is the better movie. <laughs> no doubt. You can you can change if you want. All right, I'll have Point Break. All right, really? three for three. Yeah, three I, for three. Okay. Otherwise, I was going to feel bad for you. So yeah. this is good. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I mean, Point Break is the better movie, and you can't you can't talk about the movies that come after a movie as a part of your reasoning, I don't think, in this section. New rule. Right then. Victoria, you gave us a clue. Remind us what the clue was. These are next week's movies we're talking about. Um, Anything a classic text can do, the 90s can do better. Why are you looking at Chris like you're worried about his opinion of that clue? Is that because on Monday's episode he said Because he was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) No, because I didn't... I I was trying to understand... I was trying to get a sense. Do you mean like a text message? No. That's why I got confused. Mm. That was all. Right, okay, so... Yep. Give me clueless. Shut up! <laughs> Jeopardy, Jeopardy, <We're> Alex. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Alex is I watching... worked it out. I just said in the break. Yeah, Alex, you're going to watch Clueless. Uh-huh. And Chris, you're going to watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Cool. Love it. Me too. Oh, and also, I think that was on the... So, if anyone's listening to this, if anyone can hear me... Um, Chris won't let me into the email because he's like got the password and stuff. It's a little bit tense. Um, I think that's so he can like edit. I don't know. So I think someone suggested this back in January when we apparently asked people. Um, but who knows? We if definitely we really did. asked people. You yourself heard us say that it wasn't apparently asked. But have people. I, I, don't, I haven't seen any emails, so <laughs> you, I don't you have know. seen emails because you have access. And I add I them. And I add them to the shared Google Doc every okay. time. There's this a suggestion. is why what... we don't drink during the show. <laughs> but what I'm saying I is, can, I can feel <laughs> this minecart scurrying <laughs> on the Google Doc. What I'm saying is, if you can hear this, <laughs> who so are you talking to? I don't to? know. And it was your idea. Let me know, and I will say it next <laughs> week. 
Where Just look at the list. Are like, you looking? How at are the they going to get in touch with you? You know, on social media, you can't <laughs> access the email as you just yeah. said. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need more work. <laughs> Do you want me to post your address for, no! mail, for, for mail on Twitter? Just no, thank you. Where, where, she doesn't want any other mail. Just this one <laughs> listener. Uh, hello, Sam Turner Blythe. Thank you for suggesting Clueless versus Ten Things I Hate About awesome. You. Awesome, thank you. And uh, Cassie Watson also suggested it. We had it twice. Perfect. But we hey. could we could have talked about that next week if I'm honest, like I did today. <laughs> no, Vicky didn't That's mean to point. announce it. Now she meant just let her in. Let generally, she wants to be let inside. Chris, shall we end this? Uh, that is us done for this week. Uh, congratulations to Point Break. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, and do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Vicky's address going up tomorrow. Back on Monday, talking clueless. Uh, thank you very much. Bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.